Football Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganesi, joined as always by Nima Tavale. A big show for you today as Inter take a huge step towards winning the Scudetto by beating Juventus 1 0. An own goal from Federico Gatti in a very fiercely contested match at San Siro. Elsewhere, Milan super subs turned the game around for them as they beat Frosinone 3 2. The race for the top four are Atalanta starting to uh, look favourites to get that fourth place as they dominate Lazio. Uh, Napoli, though, are just about hanging in there. A late, two late goals just about beat Verona. Um, we'll be reviewing all the rest of the of the weekend action and we also have some crackers for you on Baggio, Premface and Serie Ass of the week. For all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode that we do every Monday, reviewing the weekend Serie A action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all of our content that we do throughout the week, including a weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday where we answer all the questions from our patrons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIP and become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month plus VAT. And you can also sign up to be a paid subscriber on Spotify. And we'll provide the link in the description. Same price, same terms. And for all of you that do listen on Spotify, on Apple, on iTunes podcast, really appreciate if you give us a five-star rating. Give us a follow and a like. And we're also on YouTube as well. Um, all of that really helps us to grow and do more quality content for you guys. So let's get into today's show. Okay then, the Derby d'Italia, the only place to start. Uh, Inter beat Juventus 1-0 in a, in a game which um, I, I quite enjoyed watching, actually. I thought it was a, I thought it was a pretty good game. Mm. Um, Inter, I think, deserved to win the game, um, but I thought Juventus did, did reasonably well. We'll, 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 we'll get to it uh, and we'll discuss this from, from both teams' points of view. Um, but first of all, Nima... Um, I think the, the big takeaway from this game is that this is a, a massive step forward uh, and, and for, for Inter winning the Scudetto uh, this season. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think, well, I mean, as I've said on this podcast for like, I think it's a month, for a couple of months now, and also I think I said last week and the week before that, look, if Inter go uh, out of that game next weekend, next Saturday against Roma, if they win that game, and they're four points clear with a game in hand, then I think we move away from Inter favorites to win the title to Inter champions elect of the Serie A this season. Because after Roma away, they've got Atalanta, Lazio, Napoli, and Milan at home. And I don't think they're going to lose all four or lose two of them. Of course it can happen, but that also means that Juventus have to win every single game they've got as well. So I think we kind of start to put some daylight between Inter and Juve. Uh, we can we can see that clearly now. Um, uh, after if Inter beat Roma next weekend, because I don't expect Juve to drop very many points moving on this season for for the next you know until the end of the season, because uh, Juve are that good, and that's something that I wanted to discuss as well. I think yesterday showed that Juve are back as a top side in the Serie. A. It cemented it. I think yeah. Juve we'll, were we'll, excellent. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll come on to Juventus. I do want to talk about Inter point of view first. Just 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 
following on from your, your point on the Scudetto, um, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think, look, four points and a game in hand to take it up to seven. The fixture list, as you've said, Inter only have, in terms of tough away games this season, rest of this season, they only have Roma uh, this coming weekend yeah. and, and Bologna to yeah. play away from home in the rest of the season from the big team. Juventus still have to go away to Napoli, Roma, Lazio and Bologna. Um, so, so Juventus have a tougher fixture list in terms of the Serie A fixtures, of course, in, Juventus are not in Europe, Inter, Inter are, um, which, which, will, will, which will, will mean more games. Um, but, um, uh, of course, Juventus also are in the Coppa Italia and Inter are not, so that, that claws back some of those games. Uh, I just don't see Inter giving up eight points on Juventus um, between now and the end of the season, 15 games left. Still enough games left to drop points, but I don't see this Inter as strong as they are, as they showed again last night. It would have to be, I don't want to say a collapse, but it would have to be a real kind of special set of circumstances, I think, for, for Inter not to do it from here. I think that, that, that this game showed that they are the better team. They are the better squad. They have much more experience, which is going to be absolutely key. Uh, well, it was key in this game. But it was also going to be key going forward. And then you add that to the healthy lead that they will have and the easier fixtures. I think it definitely, you know, Inter are now in an absolutely fantastic position to to, to, to win the title. Um, and bringing that on to, to 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 how Inter played in this game, um, I, I think that um, well, a few a few takeaways from me. First of all, the the back three were all magnificent. Uh, Pavard especially mm. in terms of the completeness of him as a defender, but also the other going the other way in terms of that he was influential in the goal as well. I mean, he has now obviously had those injury issues, is now showing what a signing uh, and what an improvement he brings to this Inter team from last I, season. I think exactly 12 months ago, uh, when Inter had beaten the, had, it was clear that Milan Skriniar was not coming back. He was leaving on a free transfer. He'd confirmed as much. Um, you asked me, who is your, who would you replace him with and who's your like dream signing? And I said, Benjamin Pavard without hesitating. He's showing, not only showing it, but he's also superseding all he's, he's completely blowing all of my expe- expectations out of the water. I knew yesterday. I mean, I saw someone tweet out something like he might be the best player that Inter have signed for their system in over 10 years. And I think that might be a little bit too exaggerated, but I kind of understand what they mean when they say that, because he is perfect in this Inzaghi back three to the right. He really is. It's he's tailor made for that role. Yesterday he continued to be outstanding defensively, but he started showing in attack what he can do. For the in the first opening 50, 45, 50 minutes, he was just unplayable. The crosses he fed with millimeter precision, the overlapping runs, the link up play, the passing, the intelligence to know when to drop, when to push forward. He was just absolutely unbelievable. And you, you, you know, you marry that with Acerbi, who once, as always, doesn't doesn't put a foot wrong in a big game. Um, and Bastoni on the other end, who the three of them just complement each other so well. And and we're talking we're talking about what 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 is shaping up to be one of these classic inter defenses. They were they they were they were perfect in, in how they played. 
defensively in both phases because and i keep hammering yammering on and going on about this these two both phases because the way that inzaghi uses his right center back and left center back in the defense they are he he wants them to come forward he wants them to push forward and when they come out on the outside and overlap the wing backs in um, they invert and and cause that extra man in the middle of uh, in, in the opposition's penalty area uh, or they do what Pavard did for the goal, which is invert and swap with, you know, so Barella goes out on the wing and, uh, and or, or Darmian is out on the wing, Barella inverts, the D- D- Pavard becomes the extra man in attack and he's just, you know, that's where the goal came from and they keep doing that on both wings. It's so, it's, it's a very difficult football, but... They they just do it time and time and time again, and they do it so 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 well. But he wasn't the man of the match for me. That was someone else. But we'll get to that. Yeah, um, just just expanded on the rest of the defense. Like you said, a Cherby. I mean, he is ultimate big game player, and and he he was brilliant again. And he's smart as well. And he and he he's got that that the the the, the, the what we call in Italy the football. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, uh, that the old school Italian defenders have, and I, I kind of said a few weeks ago that Giorgio Chiellini, when we when he retired and we commemorated him on his retirement, and I said, you know, probably the last old school Italian defender. Well, probably maybe he's not. I would say maybe Cherby is the last old school Italian defender because he has those those smarts and he's aggressive and he always stands up and, and he was fantastic as well, um, which is very important for Italy going into the Euros. We need him, uh, but also Bastoni who has. You know, got some criticism sometimes for for you know his defensive. We all know how good he is, uh, you know, with the ball in his distribution. Um, but uh, he was really good defensively as well um, on against Juventus. But as a whole, as a whole, the the, the whole backline um, was 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 fantastic. Um, and really, uh, Juventus didn't. The only clear chance Juventus had was the Vlaovic one in the first half, where he fluffed his, his touch. Apart from that, you know, Inter didn't didn't concede any any chances really. There was one in the second half where a ball got put across the box. Juventus were a bit unlucky the way that that ball fell. It could have been a tap in. There was a Gatti shot that went just wide, but that's it really. And 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 I di- and I didn't think Juventus played bad. We'll come to Juventus, but I just thought Inter just were. Were very comfortable defensively, and that, that's how good the backline is. I mean, it's ins- insane their record this season. They've conceded ten goals in twenty-two Serie A games. I mean, that's unbelievable. And they have the most. Is it they? Do they still have the most clean sheets in Europe? Um, I believe they do. In, they have, in, I think uh, they've got fourteen clean sheets in the Serie A now. Yeah, um, and the record is twenty-one. Mm. And I'm looking at upcoming games and I'm not think I don't think that's impossible to beat no, to be honest 50% or, or more just over 50% of the of the games left to get clean sheets you break that record so it's possible but the, the one stat that I found amazing like, uh, that I saw last night um, what I was watching this on TNT and they read out a stat that Inter have not conceded a single goal this season in the last 15 minutes of a game I mean that is absolutely insane because that is the time of the game where most goals are scored. It's in the last, it's at the end of the games where teams are tiring or where the other team are pushing forward and they're taking more gambles. And for Inter not to see a single goal all season in the last 15 minutes, I mean, that is, that just tells you everything, everything about just how amazing this Inter defence is. So, yeah, you have to, you have to give it to the defence for sure. Um, 
But moving further up the pitch, actually, sorry, sorry, 16, 16 clean sheets in the Serie A. Uh, mm. Sorry, no, 14, 14. I counted the Super Cup. Yeah, 14 clean sheets in the Serie A, 16 overall in, in the Italian competitions, including the Super Cup. Uh, it's mental. Yeah, there's no other words but that there's record no in the words. last 15 minutes of the game is even more mental yeah that, is, I, that, that 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 damn stat that they've been showing now every inter game for the last two three games is is it's just it gives me ptsd every time i see it because it's like it feels like they're almost doing a gufata there to, but yeah i mean if we leave leave um like uh stuff like what do you call it superstition apart that is a crazy stat that you haven't conceded a goal in the last 15 minutes of the game is truly, truly... I mean, that's when it's the most difficult. That's when you're tired and, and you somehow manage to pull it through. Yeah, exactly. And it's not really the last 15 minutes of the game. It's the last 20, yeah. 20 minutes or even more nowadays we get some games yeah. with 10-minute stoppage time. So, I mean, that is that is mad. Um, moving further forward up the pitch, though, I think Chalunoglu... <sighs> Uh, was amazing. He he has a contender for one of the passes of the season, maybe the pass of the season in the first half when he put it, he 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 just like an arrow through a tiny space to Di Marco, and Di Marco put it across the box and took for for Taram to tap in, and, and Bremer did an amazing tackle. Uh, but that pass was incredible, and, and Chelanoglu was 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 outstanding again. I saw a stat where. He completed 100 out of 106 passing attempts last night. Um, the most progressive forward passes, one, two out of two, made two out of two ball recoveries. I mean, look, it was, if we leave the stats aside, if the, you know, I had him just b- behind Pavard for the man of the match. Uh, in in the first half, but then in the second half, the opening fifteen twenty minutes, he gave a world class master masterclass that I don't. The last time I saw an inter midfielder play like that at the San Siro was was Wesley Snyder. I know they were different roles, but the level I'm talking about the level of quality when he. The way he was winning challenges, the progressive passes forward, winning headers, crosses fantastic. He hit the woodwork. He, I mean, man of the match for Inter by a mile yesterday. And the and, and not a single Inter player was bad yesterday. In fact, most of them were good. Pavard and Chalanoglu stood above the rest, but Chalanoglu was just he, he was in the he was in the, he was in he was in the stars. That's how good he played. That was his best game in an Inter shirt. That those fifteen minutes were just magical, where he just completely dominated the midfield. Uh, did everything. Was the brain behind everything? He he is now the the big the the brains, the hearts, the lungs of Inter's midfield, and I don't think it's even close as to who is the best Serie A midfielder this season. I think he's just a mile no, I think he's up there in Europe yeah I was exactly exactly I really don't think there have been very many players who are better than him that pass that he played to Di Marco no that's insane that's like, insane that reminded me that reminded me of me when I was under 15 level I used to do those <laughs> passes I mean that was that was absolutely insane that was it's just that was Platini it, yeah, that was Michel yeah. Platini yeah there, there's not very many footballers Full stop. That have that have played a pass like that and succeeded with it. 
Um, and I'm just annoyed that DiMarco couldn't play the ball a little bit harder and a little bit more in front of uh, Turam. But we have to give credit to Bremer, who yeah, we'll come to we'll come to you. What, what a tackle! What a tackle! Yeah, yeah we'll come but, on to Bremer in a bit. He was absolutely no, but, insane. No, no, but yeah, but, uh, but, but Chalanoglu, yeah, it was... incredible. DiMarco was very good as well. The, the point I want to make about DiMarco is. Um, he, if, after the three defenders and Chalanoglu, he was the other, I thought, uh, top player for Inter in this game. And the reason for that is that, uh, and this is what makes DiMarco so so amazing, is every game he plays almost, he's so influential. If you count how many chance creation actions that DiMarco is involved in, either in terms of an assist or in terms of a cross he puts in or in terms of uh, the hockey uh, assist or the hockey pass before mm. a chance or yeah. in terms of having a shot himself and he had one early on which he he kind of didn't connect particularly well with and he also had another one which he he shot wide at, I can't remember if it was the end of the first half or the beginning of the second half um, he is always so involved in terms of chance creation actions and that is what for me that is what makes DiMarco so so important and so influential and such 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 an important player because he's always involved in the in the in the the actions that are, that are that are chances uh, and his delivery is is great I mean if you see the the ball that he put to Barella for Barella's shot in the second half I mean if if there's a player available in the box in a in a in an area DiMarco will always pick them out um, and I, I remember watching that and I saw I saw Barella at the far post I saw DiMarco look up. And the first thing I think, and I think this every single time DeMarco gets the ball in an area like that, is I think DeMarco is going to put that exactly where it has to go to, to, for the chance. And he did. Um, so DeMarco was, was, was really influential in this game. Not everything came off exactly how it should. But as we said, with that Taran one, maybe he could have put it slightly ahead of him and that chance he had. But he's so influential. He's so influential every single game, DeMarco. Um, especially in big games as well. He's been very, very good in big games. You look at the Champions League final and... He always seems to turn up like a chevy in the big matches. Hmm. No, he does. He really does. And I thought he—I I, got to be honest—I thought he was—he wasn't a—he wasn't a bad performer, but I don't think he was one of Inter's best. For me, he was. Yeah, but, that, was, but that's the point. Even when he's not playing necessarily yeah. at his best, he's always involved in all the chances and the actions that create chances for Inter. Always. I've just—I've just read out. Three of them already, or yeah. four of them already, right there. So that is that is what makes him, you know, he's always involved, uh, and that's what makes him so important for for Inter. Mm. No, absolutely, and no, look, it's um, it was just one of those games where it all came together for Inter, and I think they should they, they should they should probably be kicking themselves that they didn't win this by more by a bigger margin. That's the only negative I'd say because I think they created more than enough chances to to win this. They game. had the chances to kill the game off with those two chances. Um and now Yeah but also during the first half when, when Pavard's cross to, to Di Marco and he miskicks it and I mean that that yeah. was also I mean those things were happen. I wouldn't say that was a big, big chance. And also I thought Inter's goal was a little bit fortuitous the way that it obviously went in. It was an own goal after all. But but Inter definitely deserved to win. They created the big chances, they created more chances, uh, they had more control of the game. They were re- they were good. They were they obviously they were outstanding, but they were very good. Uh, and uh, I, I thought that everyone generally played well. The only negative was Lautaro. I thought he was pretty poor. Uh, he looked a bit tired uh, again, so they have to keep a little eye on 
on on Lautaro. Uh, I think Deppi. this was a different game for him, though. I think this was a game where he was he was he was he was fighting. He was his job was to to hold the ball up was to was to um get in there and get stuck in and win challenges and help the midfield out um i agree that it was not one of his better games because he made, he missed simple like ball touches and he missed simple passes which you usually don't see him do this season but i didn't think he was like he was bad i don't think any interplay were bad i think everyone was good it's just that I think this was the night where Chalanoglu and Pavard touched the the stars. I think they were just unbelievable. And I yes. think Turam Turam had a, had a very good game as well. I think you have to give it to him. I mean that he just continues to deliver in big games. He just continue you talk about big game player. This guy just continues to come up good for Inter in in these important games. And I also want to give a special mention to Mikitarian who is one of the most intelligent footballers that I've seen wear an Inter shirt. The yeah, guys and also Barella didn't have his best game, but he did no. do an outst- out, outstanding pass for the goal. Mm, I mean, he made yeah. that part, that little chip pass. Yeah, Most people won't won't even no. see that or do no. that kind of pass. He executed no. that well. So that was just a, a bit of quality shown. Let's, let's move on to Juventus, um, though, uh, from, from the Juventus point of view in this game. Um, I've seen I've seen quite a bit of criticism, um, and not just from Juventus fans, from, from, from all kind of non-Inter fans, about Juventus's performance and, and Allegri in particular, which I think has been, a, I think is a, a little bit harsh. If I'm honest, I actually thought that, and, and remember, I have the highest standards possible when it comes to to Juventus or any Italian team that I'm that, that I'm watching, um, because I was brought up in an era when Italian football and Juventus were the, were, were, were were world class, and and so you know I do have high standards, but I thought that. I thought the Juventus competed pretty well in this game. I thought they were well organised. Generally, they didn't make it easy for Inter to create clear chances, uh, and you know until they pushed forward at the end, looking for the equaliser, and they and they left gaps as a result. In which case, Barella and Alnautovic had those really big, big chances. Inter didn't really create that many clear chances. They created chances, but not not clear, clear chances. Uh, I think physically and aerially, they 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 matched Inter. Um, but the difference was they they lacked the quality of Inter, especially the the attacking quality, and that was the biggest glaring problem in this game for Juventus is um, just how limited they were as an offensive force. They I thought that they they pushed forward well. I thought the second half there were periods in the second half where they actually were they weren't pinning Inter back, but they were in their half. They were controlling the territory. Uh, into a ho- were, were holding uh, holding back a little bit and and Juventus were pushing and they had a few near moments like that Gatti shot I mentioned and that ball across the box from Kostic which um, really you know could have been it was a 50-50 it could have fallen to for Bowic for a, for a tap in and it didn't it just went behind him um, you know so they were pushing forward but ultimately they they weren't you know this wasn't into uh, Juventus weren't able to to really create chances themselves uh, and the build-up of play and the kind of like the patterns of play and the, the team moves to create chances that we saw, say, from Inter, you know, we didn't see from Juve and we don't still don't see. And that has remained an issue this season throughout this, this good season that they're having. Um, and it kind of, it shows when you play such a, a top team like, like Inter. And, and that is, you know, remains Allegri's Allegri's weakness. I think in the first half, Juventus were were a little bit overly defensive. 
Um, I mean, Vlaovic was was very isolated in the first half. Um, Yield is is a is a you know he's a wonderful player, he's a skillful technical player, but I think for him to flourish, he needs players that he can pass and interchange with, and he didn't get that at all in the first half, especially. And he generally kind of won't get that much with Allegri football because Allegri doesn't play that football. Allegri is get the ball out wide, cross it, push, put pressure on the opposition, make make them make mistakes. You know, so. I think that was shown with Yildiz's performance, and he was a little bit disappointed uh, in this game. And ultimately, Sommer didn't make didn't make a save of note. Juventus had one shot on target uh, in this game, which was a which was a, a, a you know was 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 an easy shot for him to save. So I think Allegri's ability to create chances is still an issue for Juventus, and it showed in this game. And even though Juventus, as we've discussed on this pod, you know the xG has been much improved on average this season. Uh, and they have been, you know, scoring more more goals, especially in 2024. And they have been creating more chances on a whole against the big clubs. It has remained an issue. And if you look at the XG against Inter, in the two games against Inter, they had 0.6 XG uh, in this game. Uh, in the first game against Inter in Turin, they had an XG of 0.49. Uh, against Napoli, the game they won one 0 they virtually created nothing in that game. They had a 0.6 XG. They managed to get the win. Against Fiorentina, 0.8 xG. Against Atalanta, the 0-0, that was the worst of all. They had a 0.2 uh, xG. And against Bologna, a 0.9 uh, xG. So these are the kind of like, you know, these are uh, a number of the big games here that Juventus are, you know, not creating enough chances. Uh, and that is, that was shown uh, in this game, that you, that is that is a weakness still for for Juventus, so that was that was where they fell short. I thought in this game, because other than that, I thought that they did pretty well. They competed well. They were they 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 showed that they were a team, and that is you have to praise Allegri for that. He's made them into a team. He's made them competitive. Um, they they weren't bullied by by Inter. Um, they showed that they they would deserve to be on there, but ultimately they lacked that the quality of Inter. And uh, from Allegri's point of view, they they still struggle to to really be able to put those attacking patterns in order to create chances against the bigger teams like Inter. For me, I look at this, I thought Juventus were very good. I think Juventus stood up really well. They showed maturity. They showed growth. Juventus are back. It's Juventus are back as a top team in the Serie A. And Juventus will continue to fight for the Serie A title next season. Uh, and probably the season after that, because they've got a young team as well, and this is uh, this is all what we say in Sweden: learning money for them. You know, yesterday was another experience for them. Um, Vlaovic was too fired up, which happens to young strikers and young players, and he will learn from that. And the fact that you have to be fired up, but you have to be concentrated and disciplined. You being too fired up can cause you to to uh, lose concentration, which he did on several occasions. Um, but Juventus showed that they are back as a top team in the Serie A, that they have a they have a serious project moving forward, and that it's a serious project built on a defense where I don't think we're very, very many months or matches away from discussing whether Bremer is the best central defender in the world. Um, Danilo was excellent again as to the right of that back three. Um, Wojciech Szczesny was the man of the match. He was He's the reason that Juventus don't lose this by at least two goals. 
Um, I don't think he's the necessarily the future, but it shows what identity this Juventus have, the the, the what what the maturity that this Juventus uh, ha- squad and players group of players have have shown and continue to show, and I think Allegri showed once again how he tactically is is a world class manager. The way that he con- controlled, the way that he adapted to this game, and the way that he you know, both Inter and Juve showed that although Juve, Inter are further are far more better than it this season, because they're much more redder, much more readier and mature in their in in their growth about suffering, knowing how to suffer. That's 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 the that's the hallmark of a big team, knowing how to suffer in difficult moments, and you and and knowing that despite when you're suffering, when the chance comes, you can hurt your opposition on, on the counter attack. And Juventus showed that they could do that throughout. Um, and I was very impressed by that. This was a top-class interview of a game. Um, it, the intensity of the game, the, 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 the quality, the tactical quality, the individual quality, it was a, it was a very, very good game um, for neutrals and, and a good advert for the Serie A because the San Siro was buzzing. But again, Juve were, were really, really, really good. Um, yeah. and I was so impressed with the chess match between Inzaghi and Allegri. Allegri did made Inzaghi work for it. He everything, every single tiny change he made, he, 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 Inzaghi had to respond. You know, when he brought on Chiesa and Darmian was exhausted, you know, Allegri probably thought, okay, well, I've got the upper hand now. Um, he brings on Dumfries, and Dumfries was faultless defensively, completely nullifying uh, in uh, Chiesa's substitution down that right-hand side. So it was it was just stuff stuff like that, and constantly between these two tactical decisions and, and chess moves that was just a... Uh, an, an absolute yeah. beauty. Yeah, it to was watch. a good. It was a good tactical game to, to watch. Um, there's no, there's no doubt that from a tactical point of view, uh, you know, Allegri uh, Allegri did well uh, in this game. But um, you know, moving forward, you know, Juventus are going to have to be better uh, offensively. And and he can't say that Juventus haven't got the offensive players to 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 to, to create more. Um, so that that is you know that is an issue going forward, and it's why. You know, next season for sure. You know, I have, I've never changed. I've st- stuck with my. You know, I don't. You know, I want a, a different coach to Allegri next season. But that doesn't mean that at the same time we can't put all the positives there, which I have done. And I think from an individual point of view, spot on. Chesney, two world class saves from Barella and Arnautovic. The one for Arnautovic was out of this world. It was absolutely insane. Um, I think but, I actually kind of disagree with you more there a little bit. I think the save for Barella was world class. They're both because, world class. No, both no, but the way that he, the way that he, he does exactly what a world class goalkeeper should do. There, he makes his body big. He follows the shooter. He shoots, 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 tries to close down the angle, and he's smart enough to keep his legs there, knowing that you know just covering the the, the goal. But for me, the Ar- Arnautovic, yes, it's a good save. But that is an atrocious finish by Arnautovic, straight at him. When you have the ball there and you know that the goalkeeper is coming at you, he should know this. He's not a some spring chicken. He's a he's an experienced striker. You have to put it underneath the goalkeeper or or 
you know, fake a shot so that he he commits himself, but instead Arnautovic just bangs it straight at him. It's a good save, but I think it's an yeah. awful well, shot. Well, he's getting a catalogue of big misses this season. Though, yeah, it's, it's a... Um, but Bremer, I don't want to take anything away from, from Chesney because he yeah. was outstanding. Well, he still, he had to make up so much to get there. Yeah. I mean, that was that was an insane save. Yeah. But Bremer, uh, there's no doubt Bremer's, Bremer's been the best defender in, in Serie A this season. He's been, I mean, he was... This game, he was he was indomitable. I mean, he he he. I mean, he. Uh, Lautaro got nothing out of him, uh, as I said before. But I mean, he his pace, his his reading of the game, his position, he's so good. His recovery, uh, and I mean, he's even. I mean, he's out. I mean, we all know how how strong Taram is. There was one moment where he he shoulder to shoulder. He 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 sent he sent Taram flying across the pitch like that's how strong he is as well. Yeah, but I mean, that was that, that was I was that annoyed me with Taram when that in that in that area in, in the second half I think it was when when he shoulder to shoulder for a ball when Taram literally falls to the floor for no like that he didn't even yes Bremer is strong but Taram did not exactly try to stand up either. Uh, and it was that that annoyed me because that's like there was no need for Turam to do that because I th- I honestly think that if he had taken the hit he would have still won the ball because the way that the, the way if you know which situation I mean when he wanted a penalty right in the second half that that's not a penalty it's not even close to a penalty and more importantly it was a pretty shitty dive if we're perfectly honest yeah well, Turam is starting to he 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 does go down. Too much to Ram. He, he's so strong. He doesn't need. Yeah, to. that's what I mean. Like I yeah, wanted him he to goes stand down up too much to Ram. Yeah. He, he, now that yeah. there that that annoyed me because I think he he beats Bremer if he stands up because the, he looked like he was controlling the control of the situation. He had the ball at his feet. He is a strong guy. We know he's a strong guy. I I think he he gambled a mm. little bit there to get the penalty, and I think that was the wrong decision. Yeah. Um. The the re- only regret the the regret Juventus will have from this game is the Vlaovic uh, chance. It's nil nil mm. at that time. Mm. It's an absolute sitter. It's a, it's a horrific touch mm. uh, from 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 Vlaovic. It's 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 a it's a it's a Lukaku or or, yeah. or Emil Heskey touch from their from their from their worst days. I mean that was that was that was shocking. From Vlaovic, um, and that—that's the big regret the Juventus have because Inter don't score not too long; they take the yeah. lead not too long after that. Um, so that's—that's yeah. that's the big regret Juventus have because they score that, then it's a completely different game. Then it's you know Allegri can be Allegri, yeah. uh, and and then the chances maybe open on the counter, and, yeah. and who knows what would have happened after that. So that's the big regret I think that Juventus will will have from this game is that is that Vlaovic miss, and it just shows you how Vlaovic is still. You know, not ready. Top, top, top class striker. You know, world class striker, which obviously Vlaovic isn't uh, right now. Not yet. uh, But he's in the right direction. He's going in the right direction. I think he's his his there were his link up players improved incredibly. He's winning. His learning learning to play with his back against the goal has improved. But again, he's not exactly thirty. You know, he's not exactly the most oldest guy on the pitch. He's still a little bit inexperienced, and it shows. But these are things that go away with time, so I'm not too worried. Um, and I think yesterday he showed he was too fired up. He was too fired up to the point where he was 
un- it affected his concentration. Yeah, level. he gave away like four free kicks in the first in the first could have uh, been, 15 could have minutes. Been, yeah, he could. And and the referee gave him chances to cool mm. down and he still didn't until he gave him a yellow card and that's when he cooled down. And that's when you're thinking, well, any other, you know, any other, another referee, you can get sent off, and then you put your team in all sorts of trouble. But again, I, I, I chalk down that that down to inexperience. To be honest, I think that's the kind of thing that you grow. The more games like this you play, the more you learn from it. To be mm. honest, and and, and yeah. I'm, so I'm not too worried about that. Yeah, let's move on anyway. At least we had no rat effing in this game, <laughs> <laughs> except for the yellow card on Simone, which is ridiculous. But other than that, I thought, uh, what's his name? Um, I thought I thought Mariska was good. I think he had a good performance. I think he was very clear. For once, Mariska was good in his communication to the players. He didn't allow this to deteriorate. He was in, on top of it on every situation. He was he was very well positioned for every single major uh, call, and that's why he immediately made his choice. You know, he was assertive in his decisions, and so as soon yeah. as the, the players looked at him, he was like he was already. Mm showing yeah. why he made the decision. And I think that you have to do that in these games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right, Milan. Frosinone, Milan. Milan with a with a late comeback to win 3-2 uh, and close the gap on Juventus in second place now to, to only four points. Mm. And it's down to the super subs again. And, and that man, Jovic, who does it again as a super sub to, to score the winner, poacher's goal. It's now his seventh goal in two months. Four of them have come in the last 10 minutes of games. I mean, he has become the super sub of Serie A now. Yeah, he is. And he he, he scores decisive goals too, doesn't he? I mean, mm. it's not just, uh, you know, stat padding goals, but he, he scores decisive goals and he scores the winner for Milan uh, in the 81st minute one minute after coming on. And it feels like every time he he literally scores, he's an impact, immediate impact sub as well. Um, he, or he seems to score within minutes of coming on. It doesn't take a lot of time for him to to impact the game. Um, and I, 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 as I said before, I think he should, I hope he stays at Milan as a backup striker because I think that's the role he should have. I think this is his level. I think he can be an important player for Milan as a backup striker. I don't think he's good enough to be the starting striker, but the way that Milan play, his killer instinct in the box pays off time and time again. Um, and uh, no, look, I hope that Milan can afford to buy him. Whoa. Yeah, it's not unclear kind of how much they actually yeah. have to pay for him, but yeah, I, I think that. Um, uh, I mean, he is he's he's why well, he's shown he's shown in the last two months. I mean, how many goals? He's scoring. Um, Giroud, I thought, was also important in this game. He showed, like, with his, in the air, that still now he's he's. I mean, he's. I mean, he's one of the best ever. Let's be honest, aerially. In terms aerially, of if you look yeah. at how many goals or, or that he scored with his head, especially big games and big goals, and World Cups, and World Cups, and 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 Champions Leagues. And I mean, he's he's he scored so many with his head, and he he scored with his head for the first, and he got the assist with his head for the second. So he was. He was very, very important. Ultimately, I think Milan, you know, they got away with one. They're doing a lot of late comebacks, aren't they, recently? That builds Milan. character. That builds character. And I think this is part of that kind of growth of a squad, um, of a team that is, you know, go, getting back to, to, to the top and, and, and winning 
trophies and titles is the fact that they keep coming back despite mm. mistakes despite it's a good side it's a good is there's positives and negatives to take from that yeah it's positives in terms of that it shows that you know we talk about it you know like the famous fergie time of man united you know mm. it's not a coincidence if you coincidence if you keep scoring late goals and late winners mm. that's 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 down to being a good team and having character and, and being mentally strong and never say never stopping and being well conditioned to keep going at the end and you know all those qualities um, and and your subs being good as well as as you know having players off the bench that can make the difference so there's positives but there's also negatives and we have to talk about the negatives because again it shows I mean Milan's defense is is just it's just not good enough it's not good enough for a team that wants to be challenging for the scudetto because he did another two goals here. Uh, again, just too easy to open up, too easy to play through, too can't defend their box, too many conceding too many too many chances. I mean, they've conceded more goals than anyone in the top half of Serie A this season. You have to go down to Monza in twelfth to find a team who, who's conceded more. Uh, and uh, you know, last year they conceded the fifth most in the calendar year. So this is a consistent problem. This isn't just something that's you know just happened. It's this is something that consistently. Milan's defence is, is, is conceding. You can't blame it just on the recent injuries at centre-back. And you can't just blame it on Magnon either, even though Magnon is making also making too many mistakes. And I think he, you have to blame him as well on the Mazzatelli goal. It's a tight angle. Uh, and Not he's let the shot. It hasn't even gone through his legs. Sometimes when it goes through the goalkeeper's legs, you can kind of take away the blame because, you know, sometimes it's just it, you shoot it straight through the legs, hit it early. And the goalkeeper, just the way he's positioned, you can't do anything about it sometimes. That can happen on the angle. Even though Again, if you're, be- if you're, being, if you're beaten his- on the near post, it's always the goalkeeper's always at blame to an extent. Again. But if it goes through the legs, you can you can kind of debate it, whether it's the goalkeeper's fault a bit more. But when it's to the side, it wasn't through his legs. It was to the side with a, Again, with a weakest shot as well, to be honest with you. Again, by his near post. This is a problem. This isn't just one odd thing that happens every now this this is now consistently mike mignon has a problem with shots by his that he concedes in his near post whether it's left or right it's i thought it was for one at one point it was his, his near his near right post but no this is he has a there is an issue i think it's a positional issue i think they need to find a goalkeeper goalkeeper goalkeeping trainer who can who can work with him to improve on that um, because he has a problem there. He has a problem when shots are driven low by his near post, right and left, and it's consistent. It, can, it keeps happening, happening consistently. Um, so it's it's something they need to work on. Whether it's his positioning that's wrong, or if it's you know his read of the game, or whatever it is, the, he has an issue. And player and the city are these strikers and attackers. They know that. They, they are like sharks. They can smell a drop of blood in, in the water. And they know that he struggles there, so they will pepper him with shots down there. Um, just like old teams did on Handanovic with long shots. I mean, Allegri was a master at that. It was, it was, he used to laugh at how Juventus players used to take long shots to test Handanovic just because Allegri told them to because he knew that they couldn't... They, and that, that was a weakness for him with rebounds straight out. Um this is this is this is the Serie A. They know if they find a weakness, they will push it like they will ruthlessly exploit it. And 
and he he has a weakness there, and and they keep doing it, and they keep uh, shooting there. But look, the, the the Milan defense is a bit of a mess. They do have, let's be honest, they are also a little bit of, they're a little bit um, depleted, but uh, that still doesn't count for the, the what I think is a structural issue. I think Milan's defense is hollow, and that is a structural issue. That's that's on purely. There's there is a problem there um, that this team leaks too many goals, regardless of Mignon. I think there's a structural issue where where teams are able to exploit Milan's high press, and because Milan are a little bit unbalanced, and and I think that's something Pioli needs to to address. Now he's addressed it in the sense that they keep you know if as long as you keep out scoring one more than your opponent, you'll win. But Milan should not be conceding this many goals. They really, really shouldn't, regardless of Mignon. And I think they're way, way, way too easy to carve open Milan. Yeah, they are. They are. And, and they're not going to be able to... That's the point I'm making. They're not going to be able to, to keep making these late no. comebacks. In, no. You know, you can you can do it, but you can't, you can't keep doing it. Uh, especially, again, uh, there's levels against stronger teams. Mm. You're not going to be able to to do it. You go behind a goal or or you can see the second goal in a game to go behind and, and then, you know, you you're just not it's just not unsustainable is basically the point I'm making. So that 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 they need to sort that out. But from from um from from uh Prosinone's point of view, um I thought Sec was was pretty lively down the right. He gave a lot of problems uh, uh um to 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 the to to the Teo on the left hand side. But Sule, he now has ten goals uh for the season, double figures Lovely assist for Mazzatelli the past to, to slip him through. Um, every, I mean, I, I don't have any information myself, but all the reports coming out are that the Juventus are planning to sell him um, in the summer. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Should Juventus be selling him? I mean, yes, yes, absolutely. What you don't think he's good enough for Juventus? I don't think he fits this Juve. He doesn't fit and, Allegri's system, but that's the yeah. whole. That's part of the point. <laughs> I mean, I don't we, know. I, I think there's a player there, but I don't. I don't know. I just don't think that. I don't know. I, I just feel that if you get a good enough offer for him, 30, 35, 40 million, you sell immediately because I think they can use that money to strengthen other areas of the pitch um, that can get this Juve to take the next step, if that makes sense. And I think sometimes you have to sell one talented young player to bring in two young talented players in other positions where you need them if that makes sense so i i think sule it's been a fantastic success for juve this this loan spell at frosinone and he has taken strides matteo sule i mean double figures is is impressive well, he's Great one of the top scorers in Serie A. He's, he's yeah. the top dribbler in Serie A. He's, he's yeah. you know, he's one of the top chance creators in Serie A. I mean, I just think that, you know, well, that why would Juventus want to sell him? unless well, they? because I'm not sure that he can do it against teams that defend deep. I, I, I still have my doubts there. I feel that with Frosinone, teams attack them. And so he's given space. I don't think he, I, I think he can too easily still be erased from a game. And that's that's the difference 
for if he's going to stay at you well, or listen, not. If, if Allegri if Allegri stay in, then then there's a waste of time having Sule because he can't play in a three five two. But I just think the Juventus should be looking further forward. I'm not, I'm not saying that they shouldn't sell him. I'm you know I I still you know I'm not saying 100 he's going to be a massive success at Juventus. But I just think that I don't know. My doubt is, like I said, I don't think that regardless. I, I, of I just, I'm just like kind of bemused by the, the whole. The all. I mean, I, I know some of the reports. You can't, you know, you can take yeah. with a pinch of salt, but just that how it's kind of almost accepted. Juventus are going to sell him now. Like it's, mm. it's just unanimous. He's going, and there's no kind of like even debate about it. Um, it's just, yeah, that's what I. Well, find look, what I think is, that, like as I said, I mean, for me, it's this. I don't think. I'm yet to see something to suggest that he can produce these numbers and this this kind of form against teams that double up on him and defend deep. When you play for Frosinone, you will always have space because teams will attack you. They will have an attacking uh, mindset when they play against you. Against Juve, they won't be. They will be defending deep. And I'm yet to see something to suggest from him that when he's got like Leao is treated with two against one, they close him down, they put him off his balance. I'm yet to see anything to suggest that he can handle that. But well, I mean, we I don't know wrong. until it happens, do we? I mean, well, we no, but the, no, but it's not. No, he it has the most like, dribbles in Serie. He yeah, has the most yeah, successful yeah, dribbles in Serie. Yeah, because he's got one. Because one one v one, he's very good when coming attacking the space. What I'm talking about is, I want to see what happens when when teams close, like defend well against him how how he does and and i i don't feel that i I just haven't seen anything to suggest that he would do well um and 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 i'm not saying that you know i could be wrong and and i'll gladly own it if i am but i think juventus would be wise to be honest if someone were to pay 30 40 million euros for this guy i'm surprised how good he's been put this way i didn't see this coming but then when i've seen how amazing he's been this season i I was i I didn't think he was going to make it juventus when i saw him like i didn't think he was quick enough i didn't think he eliminated his man enough i didn't think he had the dribbling in him that he's then shown to be the number one in your league at dribbling you have to be a fantastic dribbler that's not just by chance or circumstance or the type of game that you're playing and you know, mm-hmm. you well, I think so there's a big chance. I think there's a big aspect of it, to be honest, because well, to be fair, Frosinone push teams back. You know, they they dominate possession in, in, uh, as well. You know, and, and Juventus are hardly a team that dominates possession anyway. But anyway, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, Atalanta, though, Atalanta are now, I think, the favourites to to the top four um, after they dominate, they dismantle Lazio um, on on Sunday, completely dominant. Um, they win the game three one. And um, they're in fantastic form now. They've, they've, uh, uh, it's their fourth win in a row. Um, they've won one nine draw one and lost one of their last eleven games. Uh, they are starting to take this fourth place by the by the the scruff of the uh, of the neck, and 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 they are threatening to 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 make that their own and, and to pull away um, now. Um, their favorite are they favourites for you now to finish fourth? Yes, yes, they are. Um, they really, really are. Um, I was so impressed by that performance against Lazio. The how controlled they were and how how they've grown this season through, like not at the beginning of it, but into the season, they've taken strides and steps and and uh, take games to the opposition and are starting to. Remiss, you know, reminisce of the way they attack. Reminisces me, sends you know reminders of an Atalanta that when Atalanta are at their best under Gasperini, when they swarm teams, um, they're not there yet. 
but they're not far off. And I, I thought, look, Charles de Kettler was just so good again. Um, the funny thing with him is, despite scoring twice penalty and, and a good goal from from you know open play, yeah, very good goal. The second, um, yeah, the second one, and, and then that you know that secondary assist prior to the Pashalic goal. Um, he he's he still looks like he's suffering a little bit from confidence. Like he's not fully looking like the player with that's completely relaxed and his and, and is showing off all his skills. I think that's still... just his might just be his personality. I think maybe he is just someone that's quite a shy person, a bit introverted. That's, that's fine, but I feel mm. like you know when a player is in form and they're playing at the peak of their game, they 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 they, they, they look relaxed. He looks a little bit stiff still for me. Mm. Which which is incredible because he's had a really good season and if this isn't him just kind of playing at 70-80% of what his talent, well congratulations well, he's on in the great form. Though. He's got five yeah. goals and three assists in 2024. Yeah. Um, yeah. There can't be many that have got better than that, if any, and he's got six mm. goals and five assists in his last 10 games. 11 goal contributions in the last 10 yeah. games. He's, he's, he's uh, yeah, he's in, he's in excellent, excellent form and he's even pushing Skimaka. I mean, Skimaka can't even start. He's another one to discuss. Mm. I mean, after the you know, you do wonder what what the future is for for Schumacher, that he can't even get into the, he can't even be a, a, a you know, a regular first team starter uh, at at Atalanta. Uh, at but as for De Ketteler, I mean, yeah, very impressive, very impressive in this game. I mean, he even he, uh, the one thing that I I didn't like about him at, at Milan more than anything was. He didn't. He seemed to have that burst of pace. He didn't seem to have that acceleration, that ability to just, you know, surge away from his man. And when I'd see that from attacking players, attack attackers or wingers, or attacking midfielders like he is, I always my concern is always I don't think they're going to make it at a top club because I think you need that. The best players, the top players, need that. And if if they're a kind of you know a decatter kind of player, you know, the kind of player that wants to be creative and dribble and, 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 and he didn't have that in Milan at all. <laughs> in this game, he was even showing a bit of pace in this game. I mean, yeah, what, what's yeah. Bangsbo, what's Bangsbo oh, feeding God. him? <laughs> what Here is Bangsbo feeding him? Here we go. <laughs> um, no, no, but it's, um, it, he just, um, he, he's such a tactically intelligent player. I think he's starting to show that. Um, and I'm, and I think that, you know, Atalanta and Bergamo, is just the right size of city and club for him to show off to, to start to be rehabilitated after two years of the abuse he 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 was subjected to uh, uh, at, at Milan, where that he where he showed he wasn't ready at all for a club of Milan stature. Mm. Um, but it's uh, it's interesting, and 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 I think he's he's really starting to come into his yeah. own. And well, so are many it, of the Atalanta players. Them, like Gasparini is is starting mm. to build something there. I mean, obviously, yeah, we're, I'm not even going to dare say this is anything like the team they had a few years ago. It's not. It's, it's not on that level. But you know, you can you can see that. I mean, the Atalanta are playing as a team. Uh, they're pressing great. They're everyone knows their role and function. They're aggressive. Yeah. They run. There's some good patterns of play. You can see the work on the training ground with, with certain schemes they do. A good example is that free kick routine. They play to the edge of the area, which, which Skamaka, when he came on, he blazed over the bar. You know, you can see that they're all on the same wavelength. And that is why I make Atalanta favourites, because I see that with them and I don't see it with any of the other, except for Bologna. But then I don't know whether Bologna will ultimately be good enough in terms of 
on paper in terms of the individual quality of their players is not on Atalanta's level to, to, to really fight for the top four, uh, you know, for the rest of the season. But, uh, uh, you know, in terms of the, the realistic teams to finish fourth, I don't see that with any of the other big teams, Roma, Lazio, certainly not Napoli. You don't see that they're a team and that no. everybody's working no. and they're well-oiled. This Atalanta no. is becoming well-oiled yeah. and Gasparini is developing players again. De Ketelaer is one, but, you know, if we look at, I mean, Scalvini was was very decisive offensively again. We, we only ever talk about him in an offensive sense. He had the assist for Pasadiz, he won the penalty. Um, but also other players, I mean, I mean, Coop Miners and, 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 um, and Edison are, I Edison, think after Edison, Inter, Edison. I think after Inter, they're the best. <sighs> they're the best centre midfield in in the league. Those two, after after Inter's mid centre midfielders, uh, those two have been fantastic all season. Both of them, brilliant. Edison brilliant. is is destined for. He, he's going to be the next big sign, a big 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 transfer for Atalanta, isn't he? I mean, he's yeah. he's just so so good. This season, he's really taken strides. Um, the way that he you know, dominates the midfield in terms of, you know, with, with passing and movement and, and Dick, you know, helps. No, he's Dick box to box with defensive numbers and his duels one and his, and his interceptions are, are amazing. Um, no, I am really impressed by Ederson. I've been really, really impressed. Yeah. No, I think it's, I think they're a shoe in for fourth. I really do. I really do. Yeah. I think, I think they're going to, they have, they have, they, they have, the, they have the, the, the squad as well. They have depth yeah. in their team. I mean, Lookman, who's been, Lookman is only there. I was going to say, he's been, the Afri- been one of the best players at the Africa Cup yeah, of Nations. Has. I think yeah. he's top scorer um, as well, or second top scorer. And he's, and he's, um, yeah, he's still got to come back. And uh, home has been really good as well, uh, yep. uh, right wing back. Um, so they've, they've, you know, and they bought Hien as well um, to strengthen their defense in, in January. I mean, they've got the squad. Uh, and even Karnaseki is really starting to grow since since um, taking the place of um, Musso as well. Mm. So they're, they're, they're yeah they're looking good. But from the other side of the coin, Lazio uh, were abysmal, um, completely outplayed, opened up easily. And the way to describe Lazio is that I just think that, and it's been the case generally all this season. Despite that good run, they went on that good little run, didn't they? Yeah. And then now they they've kind of re- returned back to the to what they were at the start of the season, the last couple of games in terms of performance is you just look at every department on the pitch and none of them are working. They've got nothing in attack. There's just yeah. no quality or goals in that attack. They're dominating in midfield, which is so strange for a Sari team to be dominating midfield. They usually, Sari teams usually control the midfields in possession and, and this season they haven't and they've dominated in this game in midfield. And then uh, the defence as well has been leaky. It was one of the best defences in Serie A last season and, and they're, they're, you know, so it, nothing is working really. Uh, at Lazio uh, at all and all I can say Nima is good luck against Bayern Munich <laughs> no, they're, look they're going to be destroyed against Bayern Munich um, it's it's not even fun um, it's, it's just in, oh, I just feel like ugh, it's going to get ugly uh, against Bayern Munich it mm. really really is but um, look I think Lazio are at a crossroads here I think Sarri will start to demand things and I think the Lotito will not be able to reciprocate. So I think that project I think Sarri is leaving in the season. Yeah, I think that that project is ending. Um because it's just not played out. It's not working in Sari. Sari's a system coach. This is the thing when you have a system coach you need to give them what they want because otherwise it doesn't work and they get fed up and pissed off and leave. I think it could be um, a difficult few years couple of years at least yeah. for, for Lazio because I look at the team 
And I think it's going to be break it. It's going to break up. They lost Milinkovic Savic already. Mm. Immobile, you know, he's way past his best. Uh, and, you know, who knows if he will stay anyway. You know, Philippe Anderson's going to leave. Um, you know, Luis Alberto's getting old. Um, maybe he will leave as well. You know, so you're looking at the, the pillars of the team. They're all gone. Um, you know, so you're, you're thinking, I think it's going to be difficult for them. Yeah. Next season. 199 goals now for in the Serie A for Ciro Immobile. One away from joining Club 200, um, which is interesting. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, Napoli then. Napoli, uh, crucial late comeback to, to, to beat Verona. Kvarat Scalia saving Napoli, saving Mazzari. A moment of world-class brilliance. Coles it top corner from 30 yards. It's a sensational goal. From Kvarat Skader. We have to start there. I mean, what a goal. <laughs> what a goal. What an absolute wonderful magical goal and shot that was. Um, it was, it, it literally, he set the Maradona aflame, didn't he? He set them alight with that goal because it was a dreadful game by Napoli generally. But the way that he, you know, this is, this is what he can do. You know, th- this is the kind of, this is his talent, and you know you you need your big players and your world class players to make that difference. Um, and yeah. he did. Well, he did. He, he won them the game. He won the game. It was an awful performance from Napoli. Yeah, they they like rallied Napoli's late game. on, last ten fifteen minutes to, to get those two late goals. Otherwise, they would have lost. They were losing one nil um, to, to to Verona, and um, they were they were awful the whole game. They didn't look like a team. They're not a team. This is the, this is the difference between them and Atalanta. Atalanta are a team. Napoli are not a team. There's no patterns. There's no cohesion. It was just Kolaratskaya doing stuff himself now and again to create something. Otherwise, they weren't going to create anything. Uh, and they fell behind and they, they looked like that they were going to lose. I mean, the positives, I guess, the two subs, Lindstrom and Ngonj, did well. They combined for the equaliser. Um, so I guess you can take a little bit of a positive there that, 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 that they combined. Let's hope that both of them can, can push on. Um, but all in all... I mean, this 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 Mazzari Napoli looks doesn't look very good. Um, I, I think the I can't see the, how they can get a result against Barcelona, um, even though Barcelona are not great either, and they're better than Napoli. Um, I mean, they're struggling. I mean, it's the, the way to put this is they're struggling to beat a team like Verona, who have had a complete fire sale. In they've sold their whole team. I mean, they're struggling to beat a team that, that basically had to play the tea lady and the kit man. And they, and they, you know, surprise Barone didn't come out of uh, retirement to, to, to play for Verona. I mean, that's how, you know, how many players Verona have sold. And they nearly lose to them, Nima. They nearly lose to a Verona team that sold their entire team in January. I mean, if they'd have lost this game, it would have been absolutely one of the biggest embarrassments I can think of for a long time at Napoli. I, would have, I mean, Mazzari surely would have had to go if they lost this game. Um, so yeah, there's really there's really not much to add to that. It 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 just goes to show the state of the of, of what's happened at Napoli and and with a with a president that is doing his utmost song and dance routine to divert attention. De, De Laurentiis um, has lost the pl- lost the plot. He's lost the plot. He's left Zelinsky out of the Champions League squad. And don't listen to their excuses that that it was nothing to do with the, with the transfer. Oh, of course, of course it it's got to do with that. He literally confirmed that it's got to do with that when he said that Inter are going to pay him more less money than <clears throat> than than we are. <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, Inter are going to pay him less money than we are. But Marotta's been you know has has lacked respect and blah 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 blah. Look, he's been there for so many years. 
and now he wants to go and you're not exactly very good at you know building or treating these players with the respect they deserve look at how you're treating Quaratrelia look at the way you've handled the Osman contract situation look at how you've handled replacing Juntoli and Spalletti I mean yeah. it's just it's it's just you, you, leaving Zelensky out of your Champions goal. League squad is just madness that is that is the you know that is cutting off your nose to spite your to face, spite your face yeah. really is yeah. their centre really midfield is. is already weak Cayuste was horrific in this game again I mean, yeah, he's, just, he's an is, embarrassment he is he needs to leave I mean I, what I don't, the hell I are they going to do against Barcelona with, with Pedri and Gundogan in centre midfielder they what they're going to no. play Cayuste against these two guys no, in the Champions no, League no, it's, why it's, would you let Zielinski why yeah, would you yeah. would you take Zielinski out of your squad it's madness it's absolute madness they've thrown away that tie just with that one decision um, and then and then I feel bad for Cayuste I, I hope he leaves Napoli it's clearly not working um, and this is not an environment for a young player like him to be at because I don't think he's going to grow there it's, it's I just think chaotic. he's just not good enough. He's, this is not. I don't know. I'm, 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 I want to wait. I'm not saying he's going to be a top class player or anything like that. I, I feel he's like not he Napoli level. A... I look at his, I look at his qualities. I look at his attributes. He's just not got the quality. Unfortunately, I don't know. I really don't know. I, I think he was just. He was always going to struggle to get into the city to swing of things in Serie A and the chaos at Napoli hasn't helped and I think for him you know with young players you know everyone is different right and and I think he needs to be in a more nurturing and like familial uh, environment than than a Napoli where the president is going around making an ass of himself and he's doing it on purpose he's he's he's, he's turning he's made him making a spectacle of himself to divert into attention from from the absolute mess that he himself and no yeah, and one and there was an unhinged interview as well from, yeah, from, I mean, from the, talking about yeah. players with their testicles hanging out hanging out and stuff like that yeah he was I talking mean, about uh, how clueless Italian TV coverage of football games is how it's marketed he's right that they're clueless but all the examples he gave were wrong and showed that how clueless De Laurentiis is he said about yeah. the TV shouldn't be in the changing room uh, before games he said that they shouldn't be post-match interviews they shouldn't be press conferences before <laughs> and after the game <laughs> Now, let me just say one thing. These are the good things. That's the things that people do want to see. That, that's the things that, that make the that's product literally what people want to see. That's people want to see behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, that, that's very sellable in terms of marketing. They also want, want the, 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 the rawness of a post-match interview, and they want the press conferences, the rawness of that straight off the game. What they don't want is they don't want the, the stuff that is all, um, you know... The polished Too stuff. polished, yeah. Polished is the perfect word, yeah. Mm. So these are the good things. The bad things are the things that he didn't mention, the things like the camera angles, the empty stadiums, the showing that the empty sections the of the old stadium. stadiums. The, the old stadiums. The old stadiums. The, the yeah, yeah, but he, he is what he the, is. The, 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 you know, we'll come to, to, to Serious of the Week and we'll give you some other examples. These are the bad yeah. things, <laughs> you know, not not those. Those are the good things. So just showed, showed him how much he's I mean, if you look at US, if you look at North American sports, they're always in the dressing room with no, the no. players, regardless of the of the. I mean, I would say that's that's a little bit too intrusive for me when people are literally in their. Underwear. If you want to argue from that point of view, yes. But if you want to talk about what is actually marketable and what what uh, football fans want to see, they love the behind the scenes stuff, the stuff that behind the the story, the stuff that you don't get to see when you watch football matches on TV. Those kind of things, fans love that kind of stuff. They're they're the most some of the most sellable stuff in the media, just in terms of just, if I'm talking about just articles. No, I understand that. I understand that. If you want to make the league a bit more marketable and more interesting, that's the kind of stuff you want to be doing. You want to be doing more of that kind of stuff. 
Uh, yeah, no, I, I get I get what you're saying. I just feel like I and I don't know if you watched, but like ice hockey games or NBA or yeah or football, like they're literally there where the players are naked. I think that is a little <laughs> bit too much. Like they're you know yeah, leaves it probably privacy, is, but the, the point is that it sells. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, you it know? doesn't doesn't. It's kind of it might be a little bit intrusive. I mean, if that were the case with with Serie A, then fine. But that they've actually struck a pretty good balance here. I think they don't exactly sit there. You know, they they just show the changing room before the game starts to give a give a feel of the atmosphere there. They never talk. They just listen to the players for like 10, 15 seconds, and then they go out. I, I don't have a problem with it. But he's like this is typical De La Rentis nonsense. He's doing this to divert attention from how bad he has failed. He always does this. He is a showman. He th- This is what he does. He gets out there like a stand-up comedy routine like he did in this press conference and walks around and says a, a bunch of controversial shit to stir things up just to create a bit of you know, hype around him, focus on his person to divert from the from the mess that he himself has created. It's, yeah. it's nothing. Yeah, new. right. I'll just read out the rest of the games because we're, we're, we're running behind. So Lecce 3, Fiorentina 2, another crazy wow. ending. Two stoppage time goals from Piccoli and Dorgu win it. Bologna 4, Sassuolo, Sassuolo 2, again, another late comeback win. Three goals in the last 20 minutes, um, or two goals in the last 20 minutes. And uh, Zixi was, was absolutely perfect in this game. He was amazing. And then three nil-nil draws. Torino nil, Saloni Turner nil, Boateng's debut. Uh, and he played did pretty decently, actually. Only a second clean sheet of the season for Saloni Turner. Of course, it happens against Juric. Uh, <laughs> Empoli nil, Genoa nil, Udinese nil, Monza nil. So it was a bit of a feast or famine. Just, um, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, this weekend. Either loads just of goals. Two, just or- two things. Just two things. Lecce Fiorentina was one of the most entertaining games of the season. Um, Via del Mare is just this magical place that, that is packed every single game now and Lecce turn up, turn up every game and they give the drama. It's been like this all season, but this was incredible. The two goals in one minute towards the end there was just, I mean, how do you not love Lecce? Like, how do you not love this tiny little club in the, in the bottom heel of Italy just just delivering these these, these incredible dramatic wins and like like experiences and 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 the fans and the singing and that oh it was just beautiful um and bologna sassolo look sassolo are in trouble i don't understand why they don't suck dionisi like seriously they they can get relegated this is real now sassolo can get relegated if they don't watch out they are abysmal defensively they they don't even have a defense Mm. um they really need to get rid of dionisi that's that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, no, they, they do. Although they need Baradi back desperately as well. Yeah. Um, okay, let's finish off with Badjo, Premface, and Serie Ass of the Week. So to start off with, uh, Badjo, we've got two Badjos, and unfortunately, two more legends of, of Serie A passed away um, at the weekend. It's not been, 2024 has not been kind. Uh, after Gigi Riva recently, uh, we lost Kurt Hamrin who sadly passed away the weekend, aged 89, former Fiorentina, Milan and Sweden winger, a legend. Nima, tell us a little bit about Kurt Hamrin. Kurt Hamrin, as he was nicknamed, he's from, he, was from, he was born in Stockholm. He played once, you know, had a, was a, one of the most magically, technically gifted wingers that Sweden has ever produced. Um, came first to Italy, played for Juve, was loaned out to Padova, where he scored 20 goals in 30 games. And then he came to to Florence and Fiorentina, where he became an icon. He became a legend. Um, 
his nickname was given to him uh, in February 1964 when Fiorentina beat Atalanta 7-1, where Hamrin scored five goals by a legendary La Nazione journalist, Beppe Pegolotti, who described him as he flew past the defenders like a little bird, Lucellino. And that became, after that, he became Lucellino, the little bird, with, with, uh, with all of Florence and Fiorentina. Um, Paolo Rossi, who was born in Prato, said, was famously said, I didn't go to Prato to watch, I didn't go to the stadium to watch Fiorentina play, I went to the stadium to watch Kurt Amrin play. Um, he, he was, he was part of that 1958 Sweden uh, FIFA World Cup uh, finalist team, scoring one of the most iconic goals in football World Cup history, you know, at, in the semi final against West Germany in 1958 in Gothenburg, where he's walking with the ball down the right wing and the Germans start pressing him and he starts jogging and then he dribbles past two, three of them and scores. Um, it's, it's, you know, he was part of that magical generation of Swedish players, Gunnar Grian, uh, Gunnar Nordahl, Naka Skoglund, uh, Nisse Lidholm, and so on. And now everyone, barring one of that team, have all passed away, unfortunately. Only one player left from that team is alive. Um, after his career, I mean, he went to Milan where he had incredible success. He won the Cup Winners' Cup, the Serie A, and uh, the, the Champions League. He scored twice in the final of the Cup Winners' Cup. He won the Cup Winners' Cup and Coppa Italia with Fiorentina. Um, and the, but the thing is, he, you know, after, after his career, he bought a house near the quart- Quartiere, you know, the area of Coverciano near the stadium, um, and, and became, for all intents and purposes, forever. A, uh, as, as a Fiorentina fan the rest of his life he became a Fiorentina fan he's the all-time goal scorer joint goal scorer for, for, for Fiorentina he's eighth for all-time goals in the Serie A on 190 goals mm. um, and you know what Stefano Cecchi who is I would say the best living Fiorentina journalist out there um spoke spoke of him that you know he he chose to remain he bought a house in in just in, in outside of florence to quote to demonstrate even in the plastic world of football that certain deep and simple bonds can remain forever in a world crowded with many faces he remains forever lucellino and that's true yeah you know glenn hussein who we interviewed on this pod when he played fiorentina for two years he's he talks about how he he, they, he spent every day with Kurtamrin because he helped him fix everything for for him, you know, off the uh, you know off off the pitch. Mm. He was a truly truly lovely man. His his wife Marianne used to welcome people to their home, um, fans and 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 journalists alike. Lovely 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 man and uh, an an absolute legend and icon. Yeah, that's beautiful, beautiful. Uh from Nimmer there um, and he was a great winger as well I, I watched um, I've watched a few games of him there isn't that much uh, that much footage of him he was a he was a fantastic winger tricky fast great nutmegs. dribbler and nutmegs. Mr Nutmeg nutmegs. he was called yeah. yeah Mr Nutmeg I mean that was his yeah. specialty uh, yeah. the Nutmegs yeah he and was he, a great player did he do um, four goals in the 1958 World Cup as well which shows shows how important he was in that tournament um, we also lost Giacomo Lozzi who died at the age of 88 and he is a legend Roma legend he played 15 seasons 
for for Roma in the 1950s and 1960s. Um, he was nicknamed the the Corre de Roma, which is the the heart of Rome, and he mm. uh, he made more than 450 appearances for Roma, which was an all time record appearance record for for Roma, which lasted almost 40 years, 38 years until it was beaten by Francesco Totti in mm. 2007. And um, he was um, he was part of the Roma team that that won until Jose Mourinho uh, won the the the, um, the Conference League uh, in twenty twenty two. He was part of the team that um, that won the their only European trophy ever, which was the Intercities mm. Fair mm. Cup in nineteen sixty one, which was the basically that was the UEFA Cup. Basically, it was the, the predecessor to the UEFA Cup. It changed its name. Um, so he was, uh, yeah, he won two Coppa Italias. He played twelve and no, eleven times for Italy. Was part of the Italy team in the nineteen sixty two World Cup, um, and he was uh, like an adopted son of Rome. Um, we talk about uh, Rossi and um, uh, sorry, De Rossi and uh, and Francesco Totti, and and you know being kind of legends of Roma, where he was kind of on that level, but but not Roman born and bred. He was born in, in Cremona. So, mm. yeah, another legend mm. leaves us. Mm. Um, and he was also one of the founding members of the Italian Footballers Association, uh, the, the union, basically. Uh, in 1968, he founded the AIC, the Italian Footballers Association in Milan, to give mm. players uh, more right, more rights and, and a say in their affairs. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah, so big legacy there. On and off the pitch. Um, right, Prem face of the week. Do you have anyone? Well, um, we've uh, we've been handed. There's been a couple, hasn't it? Um, I want I want to nominate myself to be honest, because after the after the cut after the Asian Cup uh, quarter final drama against Japan. I was on a space with a bunch of Iranian football fans and, and Golbazan, which is an English-speaking Iranian podcast, and we were previewing the semi-final. And I was so excited that I, I don't know how many times I said, Iran are going to play South Africa in the semi-final. Uh, so I, I think I have to nominate myself, oh. to be honest. Uh, and then one of the guys said, South Africa? I was like, shit, have I been saying that all along? I meant South Korea. Uh, but they're not even going to play South Korea because South Korea are the other but, but half. So I was completely having a you proper... Pre- you premed pre- out. I premed out. I premed out properly. You completely premed out. <laughs> <laughs> completely premed out. But I was really, to, really excited. It the best of us, Nima. Yeah, it does. And I, but I was so excited because, I mean, that 91st minute penalty win by Eliza Jambach beating mm-hmm. Japan for the first time since 2005 was just... Yeah, yeah. Minute. Right, I have one. I have one. Eniola Aluko. Um, so she okay. was playing one of these games. I think you played them on your phone. I've never played it. You know where you, you watch your phone and then two two footballers flash up and you have to like move oh. move your head to the right or the left in, in to choose which player is the better one. Have you seen mm-hmm. that game? It's, it's yeah, yeah. Quite yeah, a lot I've of people. Play. I've never played it. But anyway, so she was... She was Why playing. am I not surprised that you've never played it? Yeah. <laughs> like, I just can't see you playing games on your phone that aren't like Snake or something. Like, <laughs> that's the only games you play on your phone. Come on, admit it. <laughs> Snake was a great game. Was, I knew you'd love it that. A, it was a great game. Uh, but I haven't played it for about 20 years. Yeah, of course. Right. It was... Um, so yeah, she was playing this game and it was kind of like in a tournament style where it started off with a, like a last 16 or a last eight and she had to work her way through to the final and then pick basically the greatest player of all time. 
And so she was working her way through the route and she, she did some ridiculous ones like Jude Bellingham. She picked ahead of Pirlo. She picked uh, Gabriel Jesus ahead of De Rossi. Uh, and then the, the, the final was between Jude Bellingham and Diego Maradona for like the greatest player of all time. And who did you think? Who do you think she went? With? Who do you think no, she went with? God, stop! No, stop! <laughs> she went with. She went with uh, Jude Bellingham as the greatest player of all time, ahead of Maradona. And the reason she's not got, done anything yet. Re- like he, I think he's a fantastic player, but he's not done anything yet. Can we at least wait until after his career or <laughs> five years into his? Career? Oh, it's hilarious! But uh, yeah, that's uh, Eniola Aluko. She was a former England. And she actually played for Juventus as well. She's now a, a TV pundit. She's she's really bad, really, really like painfully bad. Um, but yeah, mm. so yeah, Aluko. Mar- uh, Bellingham's the greatest player of all time. Jeez. And then my other prem face of the week was, I guess we can talk about this in a little bit. Let's go to Serie S of the week, and then I, and then, yeah. I, and then I've got a nice little spin off on this one. Well, um, I've got two Serie S. Two Serie S of the week. One is Aurelio De Laurentiis, as we all, we've spoken, because that's the most mm. Aurelio De Laurentiis thing in the world. Um, and then Fiorentina, the English account. Mm-hmm. When your all-time goal scorer has just passed away and you get his first and last name wrong, <laughs> Kirk Hamrim, <laughs> and you leave it up and you don't delete, you don't edit, you don't change, you don't do anything. It's just... I don't even know what to say to that. That's embarrassing. That's like like you t- like you messaged me saying that's like after Bobby Charlton died, Man United tweeting, you know, rest in peace, Blobby Carlson. Like it's just it's it's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> it really is. It's insane. And we shouldn't be laughing at something like no, this. No, but it's but it's such a it's insulting. Come on, it's insulting. It's, it's insulting. Time. And it's just and it's just again. It's just. Italians, live jackets, Titanic. I mean, mean, (laughs) why can't Italians spell? Is it this something about Italians cannot spell? I mean, last week it was Inzaghi. They they called him Inzaghi. (laughs) And now now it's, I mean, the first name and the surname. Yeah, it's not one, but two. How is that even possible? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's just, and it's we're not talking about some r- like random like we're talking your all time great like number one goal scorer, like that is that is a name you should know off by heart how to spell, if you if you work for the comms department at a football club. Good. And the, the <laughs> other prem fate or Serie S of the week is uh, the Italy national team, the FIGC, oh. an- announcing friendlies in the United States during the March international break against. I mean, Luciano Spalletti asked for two of the biggest European teams so that they could prepare for uh, the, the Euros and test the players, and he got Venezuela and Ecuador. This That's what pisses me off the most, to be honest. I don't mind... The level Venom. of opposition, yeah. That, that annoys me more, even more that, than... No, I don't... Look, I get that they want to play, and, and, and there's lots of Italian-Americans and people with Italian, with Italian heritage in the US, so I don't have any problem with them playing there. Not mid-season, though. Mid-season feels it's a little something bit that they silly. If they wanted to do it, they should have done it in 2025, at the end of the season. June 2025. Something like that. Something That's like that. That's when they should have done it. A but year before me, the World Cup. Don't yeah, do it. So, Don't do it like in the, a busy but, part but, of the season. Or if they want to put their pre-World Cup tournament, like training camp, whatever. I don't like. I, I don't have a problem with that. For me, it's the fact that Spalletti literally expressly asked these people to give him top class European opposition and they give him Venezuela and Ecuador. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like, what do you, why 
are you doing this? Are, are you setting him up to fail? Are you do, you do you want him to fail? Are you just pissing him off? Are you deliberately being, you know, obnoxious to him? Like what is that? He literally took a job in a very difficult situation because you pissed off the previous manager with antics like this so that he just walked out the door the way that Roberto Mancini always does when he's fed up. And Spalletti takes over, gets you through without any preparation time, gets you to the European Championship, saves you another embarrassment, evidently and clearly expressly tells you what he wants and you ignore him completely. Yeah, it's just, they're just Americanizing everything. Everything. No, but they're ignoring their head coach. They're that's Americanizing the thing. That's everything the thing. And, and it's just, uh, yeah. That's what pisses me off more than anything. It's, it's not just Italy that, that Americanizing it. everything because uh, our friend of the show, Adrian Del Monte, <laughs> messaged me and said that FIFA are using Kim Kardashian to promote the World Cup. In America. Well, I mean, it's in America, so why not? They use one it's, of the biggest I mean, stars. It's Kim Kardashian. But, I mean, I, I yeah. just, I'm just done with football now. I really am. I'm just done. <laughs> I'm just done with football. I'm, I, I, done. I'm done. I'm done. done. Kim Kardashian promoting the World Cup. I mean... Well, to be fair, I mean, if you've had the e-Kardashians in football for a few years, you, you might as well have the real ones as well, especially when the World Cup is being played in the United States and she's the, the biggest, the most famous celebrity, I guess, in, in, mm. in, in, yeah. in the US. But, but yeah, she, she's, she did a music video, a, a Brazilian music video. I don't know if you saw that. No. Wandita. Wandita is, is Brazilian now. Yeah, <laughs> it was, that video which, was... Which, the, 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 the Argentine... Yeah, one day, one day, yeah, one Dita, Mama Wandita, Mama Sita. She, uh, she's now. She did a, she did a gangster rap video, oh a Brazil, Brazilian one, and it was, yeah, <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> I bet it was. I bet it was wild. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Okay, right. Let's leave it at that. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday for the Q and A. Um, and then Thursday for a, for a Thursday a midweek review show. Uh, have a good week, everybody. Until next time, ciao, ciao.